Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. Good morning, church. I feel incredibly excited about this morning. I've had a huge sense of anticipation about today. And we prayed this morning that God would speak prophetically, and he has. We've sung that the presence of God would be in this place. And being the last one in the series, as soon as I knew Mark gave me this date, God put something on my heart straight away. And it's been marinating, if you like, in me for a few weeks. I feel incredibly excited about this and what God is doing in the church. And already I've seen a number of things that happened this morning which I want to add on to. I want to talk this morning about your God-given capacity to let God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You know, if Mark had said to me today, you can preach on anything you like, I would still preach this. Practically every day of my life, I cry out, God, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Because until it does, and until we see more of the manifestation of God, we are not going to be able to really move. This nation, our nation, our world needs God's presence in the earth. And we really need to have an understanding of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is something that has always fascinated me all my Christian life. And I constantly, if I'm going to default to anything, it'll be the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Book of Matthew talks so much about the kingdom of God. But we need to understand it. And I want to this morning, hopefully, just try and help you understand it a little bit differently. Whether you're a seasoned believer, whether you've just recently come to faith, or whether you're even questioning, is there a God? I'm hoping that this morning I can just help you to see things slightly differently because we've got to learn how to anticipate and how to step in and to work alongside God in his kingdom. We sing about it, we know about it, but we don't actually walk in it. And I just, I'm so excited about what God is doing and I'm hoping this morning that I can just unpack this a little bit for you. We've covered a lot of ground when we've talked about capacity and I don't think there's anybody here who, who's been here for the last few weeks who won't recognise that they have an awful lot more capacity in them than they probably ever realised for all sorts of reasons and for all sorts of things. We do, we have so much more capacity. <clears throat> um, but I want to talk this morning about this. Now we talk about, and you hear the guys talk about keeping Jesus front and centre And that's absolutely right. It's kind of a bit like our motto. Keep Jesus front and centre in everything that we do. Um, And that's what we want to do. But we've got to go on a little bit further than that. And in um, 1 Peter, it says this, you must crave spiritual milk so that you can grow in the fullness of your salvation. (laughs) Cry out for the nourishment as a baby cries out for milk. You know, salvation is more than just putting your faith in God. We've got to grow up into our salvation. That's the starting point, not the end point. 
That's the starting point. And, and God wants us to grow. Now, he tells us how he wants us to crave. If anybody has ever seen a baby screaming for its bottle of milk or the breast, you know that there's nothing that will satisfy that baby. You give it water, spit it out. You try and put your finger in, it'll spit it out. When that baby wants milk, nothing else will satisfy. Do you agree? God wants us to cry out like that. God wants us to cry out so that nothing will satisfy us until we grow up and see the fullness of our salvation. But, you know, I think that, and I include myself in this, I think we are so, we live in a country that is so loaded with luxury, <clears throat> so loaded with everything that we need. We don't know how to cry out to God for more than five minutes. We get distracted, we go on to something else, we do it ourselves. God wants this to be the cry of our heart and keep crying and keep crying with all urgency until nothing will satisfy us until we see the fullness of our salvation. Until, and I've cried out for years and years and years and years, every day, God, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven because we need to see that. So coming to salvation is the first step. We have to grow up. And as Christians, I think we often live from the outside in. You know, we walk through life, things happen, we cry out to God. God is intent that we live from the inside out. So that we actually have God in us, working through us and working out in us. I just loved it in one of Bill Johnson's books when he said, in the Old Testament, if you touched a leper, you got leprosy. But in the New Testament, if you touched a leper, he got healed. That's the difference between living from the inside out and the outside in. You live from the outside in, you see a leper and you say, whoa, stay away. But you're living from the inside out, you see a leper, you say, come, I'm going to heal you. It's a totally different way of living. But you've got to grow up on the inside. You've got to know who you are and you've got to know your authority. Let me ask you this morning, and I asked myself this a few weeks ago, how much authority do I really have? Very little In the kingdom of God, how much authority do we really have? It's very little because we're living from the outside in. We've got to learn to live from the... I'd love to say to the leper, be healed. Not, oh, I need to stand back. When people came to Jesus who were sick, Jesus responded with the authority because he had authority over sickness. And he told the sickness to leave. And it says he healed everyone who came to him. And I'm not just talking about sickness. I'm talking about every area of our life. And Mark spoke this morning about the first, the first. And this is what God has spoken to me about. That when Jesus announced and arrived in his ministry, his platform on earth, what was the first thing he said? The first thing he said was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the very first announcement, it says, from that time. And that was when he heard that John had been imprisoned. Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And we know about repentance. We know that repentance is turning your life around and going in a different direction. But it said, why? Because the kingdom of God is here. The first thing Jesus said. Now, do you not think that having spent 30 years approximately uh, waiting for his ministry, do you not think that the first thing he said would have been important? Jesus didn't waste his words. 
Everything Jesus said was important. And the first thing he said was, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. It's arrived. The kingdom of heaven has arrived. What does it mean? It means that Jesus came and he brought with him a realm or a dominion that had never been manifest on earth before with the reigning king present in the flesh. Not only did he bring a kingdom, but he was the reigning king and he was present in the flesh in a realm where the will of God is fulfilled. That's where the kingdom is. It's a realm where the kingdom of of God is fulfilled. Jesus was the king. And he came with the kingdom and his first words to announce were to announce that the kingdom has come. And that moment in time, that moment in time changed the whole dynamics of what was possible on earth. When Jesus made that announcement, it changed something in the earth. From that moment on, the whole dynamics of now what became possible on earth had changed. He brought a new realm to earth. The realm of the supernatural, the realm of the impossible on earth through human flesh. Jesus became human flesh to show us what is possible through human flesh, among other reasons for becoming flesh. And Jesus was God, but it didn't stop there. And Jesus showed us what is possible through human flesh in the authority of the kingdom. And if we're going to be effective as believers in Jesus Christ, we've got to understand the kingdom of God. Otherwise, our faith is just a system of sentiment and rituals. You know, we can come here on Sunday, we can see our friends, we can have a good time, we can enjoy the worship, and we can go away and we've got no authority. What was the point? I don't see any point in having a faith that has no authority. It's just rituals. It's just sentiment. It's just something to ease your conscience. Well, you can go to any church and have that. But we want to see authority in our lives because that's what God has intended for the church, to represent his power here on earth. And when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, one of the things included in that prayer in Matthew was to say this, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's the Lord's prayer, isn't it? After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, Thy kingdom come. Jesus wouldn't have asked them to pray that if it wasn't something that could happen. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, let me break that down for you and say it another way. Because thy kingdom come means to accompany. Will means purpose and in means to superimpose. If you look at it in the original. So this is what you could say. Let your authority accompany your will and purpose and let it be superimposed on the earth in the same manner that it operates in heaven. Let your will and purpose with your authority be superimposed on the earth as it is in heaven. You know what it means to superimpose, all those of you who have children. (laughs) And what we're saying is, God, let what happens in heaven actually be superimposed on the earth. Because that's what Jesus did when he came. Church, we need this more than anything. The days are dark. We need to see the kingdom of God being established in the earth. And this is something for the here and now. This is a realm of in, in, in God in heaven, which can be replicated on earth. In heaven and on earth, God is sovereign. We saw that, it was again in the um, presentation that we had 
um, <clears throat> about God's authority. And it says this in Matthew. It says, Jesus came and he said, all authority, where? In heaven and on earth has been given to me. There is nowhere. That word authority is exousia, and it means power, jurisdiction, and control. So God is saying all control, all jurisdiction in heaven on earth has been given to Jesus, and Jesus is giving it to who? The church. Yes. And so therefore, we need to understand what this means. Let your authority accompany your will and purpose, and let it be superimposed on the earth. <clears throat> Matthew 5:28 um sorry we've we've done that one so <clears throat> um there is nowhere that god doesn't have authority so let me try and help you to understand what a kingdom consists of because to many of us the kingdom of god is like out there somewhere well what does it mean well jesus always used the natural to explain the supernatural jesus always used what people understood to help them understand what they didn't understand. So in the New Testament, he talked about sowing and fishing, uh, sowing and farming and fishing and reaping and things that people understood. So I want to try and put this in the context that will help you to understand. So I'm going to compare the United Kingdom, because you know about the United Kingdom, to the Kingdom of God, because it will help you to see that there are similar structures and principles relating to a kingdom that we need to understand. So every kingdom then has the United Kingdom and the Kingdom of God. Let's look at these together. Every kingdom has a figure of authority. We have a queen. She's our figure of authority. Now, we have had a king in the past, but at the moment we've got a queen, and when she dies, we will have a king. So a figure of authority in the Kingdom of God is Jesus. He is the king. A kingdom has a territory Now, we have the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth. The Queen is the figurehead of the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth. And over the years, the Commonwealth has grown and shrunk. But we still have a territory, don't we, that can fly the British flag. And so there is a territory in the Kingdom of God. Where is the Kingdom of God's territory? Heaven and earth. All authority has been given to me, says Jesus, in heaven and in earth. So there's nowhere that the kingdom of heaven doesn't touch. All authority is given in heaven and earth. Every kingdom has citizens. We have at the moment 64.1 million people living in the United Kingdom. And there are citizens of the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know how many there are, but there's quite a few. So... What is a citizen? Do you know what a citizen is? Because citizens have rights and responsibilities, don't they? And citizens also have uh, opportunities and, and, um, and benefits from being a citizen. So what is a citizen? A citizen is a person who legally belongs to a country and has the rights and protection of that country. If you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, you legally belong to that kingdom. And citizens adopt the culture and practices of a nation or a kingdom to which they belong. If we belong to the kingdom of God, we have to adopt the culture and the practices of that kingdom. Now, let me tell you that if you want to become a citizen in this country, if you're not born here, you have to go through process 
Some of you may have done that. If you want to become a citizen of the UK, you must first, if you're not born here, be over 18 and have lived here for more than five years. You have to be of good character. We don't any jobs. You have to have spent no more than 90 days in the last 12 months or 450 days in the last five years living in the UK to become a citizen. You have to spend time in the kingdom of God. It's no good hopping in and hopping out. You've got to live there. You've got to understand its culture and practices. You've got to know the values and principles of the UK if you want to become a citizen. You have got to know the values and principles of the kingdom of God if you want to live there. You have got to know the traditions and the culture of the UK if you want to be a citizen. You have got to know the events and people who shaped our history. This is for the kingdom of God as well. You have got to know about the government and the law. And you have got to get involved in the community. If you want to be a citizen of the UK and you're not born here, and that doesn't exclude us who were born here, this is what it means to be a citizen. Now translate that into the kingdom of God. You've got to know the traditions and the culture of the kingdom of God. You've got to know the events and the people who shaped its history. You've got to know the government and the law of the kingdom of God. And you've got to get involved in the kingdom of God. And you've got to live there. You can't keep hopping in and out. You've got to live there and you've got to know it and you've got to understand it. If you want to be a citizen and claim to be a citizen, this is what growing up into your salvation is all about. So how do we become a citizen of the kingdom of God? Well, scripture tells us in Ephesians, it says in those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. You did not know the covenant promises of God. Um, that made, uh, had made to them, sorry. You lived in the world without God and with hope, but now you have been united with Jesus Christ. So to become a citizen of the kingdom of God, you have got to be united with Christ. That's the first line of salvation, isn't it? To say, here I am, and I did this in September 1977, I think it was, can't remember now, long time ago. <laughs> When I said in my bed at night, Jesus, I don't know whether you're real or not, but I want you to come into my life. I want you to change me. And if you do, I will serve you all the days of my life. That was it. That was my salvation prayer. But it got me into the kingdom of God. Why? Because I now became united with Christ. Forgive me for what I've done wrong. Forgive me that I haven't walked with you, but now I want to. I'm turning around. I'm repenting. I'm turning my life around. And as I begin to walk and as I began and became united with Christ, I now become a citizen. As a citizen, I have roles and responsibilities. So why do we need to be united with Christ? Okay, well, because every human being is born into the kingdom of this world in which Satan rules. And therefore, consequently, we grow up adopting the culture and the practices and the values that Satan instigates. But to be united with Christ, we need to be born again into his kingdom so that we can adopt the culture and the practices and the values that God instigates. We've got to have a mindset change because the way you think, um, the way you think um, will will be behind the way you behave. And therefore, we've got to have a mindset change from from the culture and the practices and the values of this world to the culture and the practices of the values of God. And they have to become our standard. They have to become 
what we do and how we see things through Jesus' eyes. And so John 3.3 says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you take on a new way of thinking, a new way of practicing, a new way of believing, a new set of principles and start seeing it through Jesus' eyes. In other words, I was born into the United Kingdom and therefore I am a citizen of the United Kingdom. But in order to be born, um, but in order to be in the kingdom of God, I need to be born into the kingdom of God. And the Bible calls it being born again. It's that spiritual rebirth which unites me with Christ, which now makes me a citizen. Now I'm a citizen, I, start to, I have to behave like a citizen. And the problem with most of the church is that we live in the kingdom of this world and we play lip service to the kingdom of God. We've actually got to say no more in this kingdom. Now I'm in this kingdom. And I need to start taking on the cultures and the values and the practices that God instigates in order for me to see heaven come to earth. So let's go back to this then, every kingdom has. So every kingdom has laws and penalties. You know full well in this country, if you break the law, <coughs> you, will, um, you will, if you're caught, uh, <coughs> you will have to pay a penalty, whatever that is. And there are laws and penalties in the kingdom of God. The wages of sin is, yes, there are laws and penalties. Um, there's a government in this country, whether I'm not going to talk politics, whatever your thinking is, there is a government in this country which makes laws by which we should abide. There is a government. There is a government in the kingdom of God. The government shall be upon his shoulders and of his government there will be no end. There is a government in the kingdom. There is an army in the kingdom. We have a British army, don't we? We have a navy and we have other things, but we have an army there to protect us. And the kingdom of God has an army too. We are part of that army. Read the book of Revelations. We are part of that army. We are there to fight and to protect and to be protected. And there is ambassadors in every kingdom. We send people to other countries to represent us. And in the kingdom of God... Oh, there is also a constitution. Let me just finish those two off. There is ambassadors in the kingdom of God. There is a constitution in the UK and there is a constitution. Now, there are many other things. I could do you another two lists of things that make up a kingdom. I just wanted to pull out a few for you. What is a constitution? A constitution is a body of fundamental principles or established precedents according to which a state or another organisation is acknowledged to be governed. So we have a constitution. Now, we don't have a constitution like they do in America. The constitution in our country is made up of um, judgment, uh, court judgments, acts of parliament and other laws. That's our constitution. That's our fundamental principles of established precedents. We have ethical and moral codes in this country which are enshrined in law. So a moral code is what the general people think is right or wrong. And of course that changes from generation to generation. My grandmother would be turning in her grave if she saw what was accepted these days. But ethical codes, ethical codes of conduct are enshrined in law. So whether you like the law or not, if you break it, those are the ethical standards which we believe in our country we should adhere to. And the government of God has ethical and moral codes too. 
by which we have to apply ourselves. Otherwise, there's a penalty. Um, And God is a judge. So I want to try and illustrate this for you, if I can, in in some kind of simple way. Let's say, for example, you go on holiday to the US. And you get out of the airport and you get in a car, you hire a car and you come out of the airport and you drive on the left and within a few minutes you've smashed into a whole load of cars. Now, you go into hospital and the officer of the law is there and you say, well, it wasn't my fault, they all crashed into me. And the officer of the law says, if you want to live in our country and live and not die, you have to abide by our laws. You cannot come over here and bring your British, I'm going to drive on the left, and expect to get away with it. No, you will have a car crash. You cannot, you cannot. And then so you get better and you come out of hospital and you go to the shops and you buy something and you get your pound coins out. And they say, I'm sorry, but we don't use pound coins here, we use dollars. And you say, what, I haven't got any dollars, I'm British, I've got pounds. (laughs) And they say to you, but you had an opportunity to exchange them at the border. And you didn't. That's just like the kingdom of God. We walk into the kingdom of God and we say, here is my currency. Here are my values. Here are my precedents. Here are my ways and my laws. Now make them work. And God said, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You know, you have to. God says, You can't use your currency here. You can't use your laws here. You can't use your values here. You can't use your precedence here. You use mine. If you want to see the kingdom of God come on earth, use my ways. Use my reasonings. Use my values. Otherwise, you're in for a car crash. If you want to live and not die in the kingdom of God, you have to operate according to the way that the kingdom works. In the same way, That if you want to come into our country here, into the UK, and you want to be a criminal and you want to do things against the law, you'll find yourself in trouble. You'll wonder why life doesn't work out for you. You'll think this is a horrible country and then we will expel you back home again. You know, you have to operate according to the laws of the kingdom. And we need wisdom. Mark spoke about wisdom this morning. We need wisdom. What is wisdom? Um. Sorry, let me go back to this. I'm jumping ahead. Matthew 3, 6.33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It has to be a priority. It has to be a priority in our lives that first of all, we're going to seek the kingdom of God. We're going to seek to grow up in our salvation. We're going to seek to adopt the values and the culture and the principles of the kingdom of God. So then God can add everything else. God can add everything else. Do you know, I've just had a small extension put on my house. And, um, I, uh, and I'd planned it and I'd saved for it because I always try to live within my means. And I had the right amount of money for it. And I knew it was going to have to be paid for about now. And I had the right amount of money for it. And I knew that it was going to completely wipe out my savings. I'd have nothing. But I was willing to do that because I wanted to increase the value of my house. And... Um, suddenly I was doing I had to pay a bill it's funny I had to pay for it on Monday and I got a phone call straight away from the bank saying was it you who you know transacted that amount of money because it's not the usual amount I play with and um and uh I looked at my bank account and there's still 1200 pounds there 
And I think, how did that happen? I calculated this right. I calculated that it would use all my money, but somehow there's still £1,200. Well, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I don't know how that happened. But I've still got some money in my savings, and I like to keep a little bit in my savings just in case, you know, when the washing machine breaks. Uh, Girl can't do without a washing machine. So God is good, and God... God, by applying his principles, by seeking first the kingdom, God was interested in my extension. God was interested in me paying for it. But I wasn't seeking that. I was seeking first his kingdom and all other things will be added unto me. Um, Let me go back to my notes. Uh, Matthew urges us to first seek the kingdom of God. We have to understand the constitution. We have to understand the way the kingdom operates. We have to understand the laws, the precedents, and how it's governed. And Luke tells us that the kingdom of God is like this. He says, uh, what else is the kingdom of God like? It is like the yeast a woman uses in making bread. And even though she puts only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeates all through the dough. The kingdom of God has got to permeate through everything we do and say. That's why it says grow up into your salvation because it doesn't happen overnight. I am much more mature as a believer now than I was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. You have to grow in maturity just like you do as a human being. You have to grow in maturity. And God wants the kingdom of God to permeate Every area, like the yeast in the dough, every area of our lives. In other words, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. To learn how to live in the kingdom of God has got to be a lifestyle. And if we're going to be ambassadors, because the Bible says we're ambassadors and every, every kingdom needs an ambassador, then we have to understand that an ambassador never speaks his own opinion. If you go away as an ambassador for the UK, you have to speak what the government says. So when you're in a meeting with, I don't know, officials in China, for example, some great um, thing that you're involved in, you cannot say, oh, well, I think. And if it were up to me, you have to say, my government says. My government says. So Prince Andrew, when he went overseas as ambassador for whatever he was doing in between playing golf and flying planes, he had to say, my government says. When you come to pray for somebody, my government says. When you come to declare something over somebody, my government says. The kingdom of God says. Not I think, not I want, not maybe if it's God's will. My government says, God's government says. So therefore you need to know what the government says so that you can pray it into the situation. We like to pray the middle of the road. Oh, well, if it's God's will. You have a citizen. You need to know what the will of the king is. You're a citizen. And we need to say, my government says when we're praying into a situation. So we need wisdom. What's wisdom? (coughs) Wisdom is the God-given ability to perceive the true nature of the matter and to implement God's will into it. That's what wisdom is. I love the book of Proverbs. I love it. I consume it. It's got 31 chapters. Read one every day, every month of the year. (coughs) Wisdom is applying 
is of the ability to see the true nature of the situation. We so often don't see the true nature of a situation because we're seeing it through our own eyes. We've got to see it through the king's eyes. We've got to be able to say, like we might say, although the queen never really gives speeches, we might say, well, I know what the queen thinks about this. We need to be able to say supernaturally, I know what the king thinks about this. So therefore, I'm going to pray what the king thinks about this into my situation. Luke twenty two twenty nine says, I've appointed you unto you a kingdom as my father has appointed it unto me. We have been given the kingdom. We have been given the kingdom. There are keys to the kingdom. There are things that have to be worked out into the kingdom. But we have been given the kingdom. God says, as I gave it to Jesus, Jesus has given it to you. And therefore, we need to be able to operate in it. And Luke 22, in the message, it says this. Now I confer on you the royal authority my father conferred on me. So you can eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and be strengthened as you take up responsibilities among the congregation of God's people. What does it mean to eat and drink? Mark, Mark, Mark mentioned that this morning as well. He wants us to eat. To eat means to devour, to consume, to nourish. God wants us to eat and to consume and to be nourished in the kingdom of God so that what God gave to Jesus and Jesus gave to us, we can give to the world. It's not for us. It's for the world. We're depriving the world because the church are the only ones that can release God's kingdom on the earth. (coughs) And therefore, we're seated at his table where we're strengthened. To drink means to imbibe, to swallow down. In other words, to go from the inside out, to grow up, put the kingdom of God in you which is what scripture teaches us. It says in here, in Luke 17, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is where? It's within you. It's within you. It's within all of us. It's our God-given capacity for the world. (coughs) (coughs) And it's been given to us and it's within us. God assigns the church a place at the table in his kingdom. It's a kingdom of servanthood and authority. If you want to be, have authority, you have to be a servant. You have to serve people, serve the world. Jesus came to serve, not to be served, with authority. He wants it to grow inside of us, just like the yeast in the dough. God wants as we eat and drink at his table, he wants the kingdom to grow inside of us. He's called us to rule and reign in life. We're not to live under the circumstances. We're called to rule and to reign. And only when we understand, Shegan, would you come back, please? Only when we understand these things can we cry out, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God, superimpose superimpose heaven on earth because God we need you let your authority accompany your will and purpose and let it be superimposed lay it like a blanket God lay heaven like a blanket on earth let your kingdom come because we need something to change it's not for our sake church it's for the sake of the world it's for the sake of yours and my families who are not yet come to Christ it's for the sake of the I'm getting too excited, sorry. (laughs) Speaking too quickly. And I want to just finish off with this and I want to show you. On April the 9th, 
sorry, yes, April the 9th in Los Angeles in the Memorial Coliseum, which seats over 100,000 people. It's the 110th anniversary of the Azusa Street Revival. And Bill Johnson and Lou Engel have hired this for one day from seven in the morning until 10 at night, just to cry out to God. Just to cry out to God. I'd love to be there. Just to cry out to God. They're going to cry out from seven in the morning till 10 at night with over 100,000 people. God, let your kingdom come on earth. God, America needs you. Lou Engel, if you don't know him, started the call over 15 years ago, which is a call to prayer. And he literally has a prayer house. And it's been the desire of his heart. And he sold his house to pay for this. He so believes that God is... This is the 110th anniversary. And if you don't know about the Azusa Street Revival, look it up. That was when God did a mighty move on the earth. And then we know we've had several revivals come after that. I believe something's going to move in the heavens on the 9th of April. When all those people... And it's going to be on God TV. Um... If you're available and you're around, join with it. Cry out to God. Let your kingdom come. God, have mercy on us. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God, lay a a blanket of your supernatural power. Help us to grow up, God. Help us to grow up and be able to operate in the kingdom. Help us to take on your character, your nature. Help us to know what the king says in every situation so we can let your kingdom come. Amen.